Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Now today, as advertised, as promoted, we are going to talk about a new series. We're starting off a new teaching series today uh, that's simply asking this question, what does the Bible say about that? And our graphic for this series gives you an indication of the kinds of things that we're going to be talking about. A lot of topics that are very hot and in our face uh, through our culture this, uh, this time of the year and throughout our lives. Very important questions that we're going to be asking. But the most important question that you could be asking yourself about any topic in this world is, again, what does the Bible say? Uh, it's so important, and really, in many ways, that's the big payoff for this teaching series is not so much what does it say about the specific topics, although that is important, but the more important thing is that we're establishing rhythms in our lives whereby we're asking this question about anything that we're facing. So we, we want to equip you. We want to equip you this month and next month to, to apply that question to all kinds of things that come into your hearts and into your minds. Now, when we ask that question, there are two principles that we need to think about. And this applies to every message throughout this series. The first principle is this. The Bible is not primarily a book of minute laws and rules that apply to every specific situation in life. Because if it was, it would be so big, you'd have to carry it around with a freight train, right? I mean, it, you, it's so big. For example, I mean, the Bible does not say, thou shalt not drive 100 mile an hour in a school zone, right? But you've got to apply a few principles to that. It makes sense. Or the Bible doesn't say, uh, thou shalt not watch a pornographic movie, right? There are certainly principles to apply to that. Think about it. If, if the Bible said that, right, the people in the Bible days would be like, what's a school zone? Or what's a movie, right? You see where I'm going with that. You, the Bible is not set up to answer every specific question we have, but I tell you, the principles are there. The timeless principles to apply to our lives are absolutely there in the Scripture. Second principle is this. Uh, there's a difference between the crystal clear teaching in the Bible about a lot of things, and there's a lot of things in the Bible that it's absolutely black print on white paper, this is this and this is this, and those things over which we have personal convictions, driven by the Scripture, driven by the Holy Spirit, but sometimes not everybody's convictions are exactly the same, and that's okay. On the issues where the Bible does not speak directly and crystal clearly, there's room for some interpretation and ultimately the convictions that we have from the Lord. And then that will become more obvious as we get into our message today, which is asking this question, what does the Bible say about gambling? Now, you might think that's a very obscure topic. It's like, why are we talking about gambling? Well, I hope the answer becomes very obvious to you in the coming moments that we have together. So the first question we're asking is this, what is gambling and why are we talking about it? So I think we need a little backstory here. First of all, it would probably be a good idea to define what we mean by gambling. First of all, gambling is not simply taking a risk. Sometimes people say, well, I have a problem with gambling because it requires taking a risk. Well, I mean, you can't live your life without taking risks. Isn't that true? I mean, we take risks every, you drive up and down Central this time of year, it's either the quick or the dead, baby. You are taking a risk driving up and down on Central, right? If you're a business owner, or maybe you're into agriculture, you're a farmer, guess what? You take risks every single day. 
The Bible doesn't have a problem with taking risks. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. So gambling is not in and of itself just simply taking a risk. But I want to just be very straight up with you here and give you a comprehensive definition of gambling, not just the act of gambling, but, but again, the, the overall concept and the impacts of gambling. And here you go. Here's your definition. You can fill it in on the paper. Gambling is enjoying pleasure and profit at the expense of another person's pain and loss. Let me give it to you again. Gambling is enjoying pleasure and profit at the expense of another person's pain and loss. Now, sometimes people will say this. Well, isn't gambling just like investing in stocks? Isn't gambling just like investing in industry and business? Uh, because after all, I mean, you're, you're kind of taking a risk and there could be a big payoff or you might lose some things. So aren't they very similar? Well, let me just say that I believe that's a very misguided perspective, and here's why. Business and investing is a win-win proposition, right? You are investing in a business. You are investing in industry that is causing that business and that industry to grow. But you certainly also re receive a return on investment, the ROI, the return on investment. Business and industry and investing in that is a win-win. Gambling is a win-lose concept. Understand this. A gambler can never win anything that someone else has not first lost. Or in most cases, many people lose in order to produce even one winner. Gambling doesn't produce anything. All it does is transfer wealth from one person to the next. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But again, as we define what we're talking about, because it's very important to define the terms, right? Let me share with you the five broad categories of gambling that, that, that exists in the United States. Again, very broad categories here. On-site gambling, which would be any number of things that you go, you travel to a particular destination uh, in order to participate geographically. Lotteries, either a, a large drawing or maybe an instant lottery type concept. Online gaming, so this would be like your, uh, you know, your traditional gambling games, poker and so forth, that's done online, digitally, right? Uh, fourthly, you have online fantasy sports. This is where, uh, you know, these companies take the concept of fantasy football and fantasy sports where you're assembling a, a hypothetical team, putting it together, and they've turned that into a, a gambling opportunity. And then, of course, the last is online sports betting. Uh, just in technical terms, sports betting is, is the most basic form of betting on sports. I'm putting $100 on the Chiefs to beat the 49ers. That's called money line betting. But you know, there's a whole lot of other ways to bet money on sports these days. People will bet to see what's the overall point spread, what's the point total, what's the over and under. And all of these different things, they're going to put money on a, on a, on a chance that, that the 49ers are going to do this and the Chiefs are going to do this and their score is going to be this and all of that. Right? That's called sports betting. And of course, all of that is online now. Now, let me give you just a, a very specific point in terms of what we're going to talk about today. Generally, when I'm talking about gambling in this message, I'm talking about the last two categories that I mentioned, okay? Online fantasy sports and online sports betting. Now, we'll talk about some of the other stuff in a minute, but, but, but really, that's what I want to focus on. 
The, the reason why is, become, is because it has become so prevalent and so pervasive in our culture. You simply cannot sit down and watch a football game anymore without being constantly bombarded with ads for these things. So let me give you a little hip pocket history lesson over the last 30 years in the state of gambling in the United States. 1992, Congress outlawed sports betting. Now again, this was before Al Gore invented the internet. All right, so this was not digital. This, this is the old-fashioned, I'm going to call my bookie on the phone and place a bet, you know, that kind of thing. Congress outlawed sports betting, uh, and of course, a majority of the, of the citizens of the United States also believed that sports betting was wrong. It was not healthy. 1992. Fast forward, the internet did become a big thing back in the late 90s and into the early 2000s, and so Congress passed a law in 2006 outlawing, outlawing online sports betting, right? But they allowed one small slice of, of gambling and betting to remain, and that was online fantasy betting. Now, remember, fantasy football, there was a time when fantasy football was simply a bunch of dudes sitting around and, and, and randomly picking players and assembling teams, and then your team would do as well as your hypothetical players did on any given Sunday. And it was really all about bragging rights. Very little money was changing hands. It was just bragging. Oh, man, my fantasy team won, right? Well, guess what? Once Congress set aside this little safe haven for gambling on fantasy sports, by the way, the reason they did that was because they said that fantasy sports is a game of skill and sports betting is a game of chance. Evidently, I didn't realize it took so much skill to pull a bunch of guys together on a hypothetical team, but evidently fantasy, fantasy football and sports is a skill. So, like most Americans, there were a couple dudes who said, hey, we see an opportunity. And so in 2009, a company called FanDuel was created. Let's put the graphic up there. We've got FanDuel, and then in 2012, DraftKings. Now, if you watch any sports at all, even if you have no idea what these companies do, you're familiar with those logos and with those names. Because again, you are absolutely being bombarded with ads for these companies on all of the major sports that you watch. What these companies did is they basically took the concept of fantasy football and fantasy sports, and they took it from a group of guys just playing for bragging rights, and they turned it into a full-blown gambling enterprise so that no longer is it about, hey, my team won the season, my team did this, but it's like every single day you can get on your device and place bets on your fantasy league. And it started to really take off and make a lot of money. 2014, the commissioners of Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NBA they started looking over here and seeing what the fantasy guys were doing, and they were like, we want to get in on some of that cheddar. And so they started lobbying Congress to ultimately overturn the, the 1992 law that outlawed sports betting, all right? See, because they said, man, there, there's money to be made. We're missing out. I mean, people are gambling anyway. We might as well legalize it so we can make a lot of money off of it, okay? So in 2018, the Supreme Court of the United States overturned the 1992 law that outlawed sports betting. So now not only do you have legalized gambling for fantasy sports, you also now have legalized sports betting. Really what the Supreme Court did is they said, hey, we're going to send this down to the states. Each state can decide what they're going to do. Well, guess what? Within two years, 30 states had legalized sports betting as well as, of course, fantasy sports. And of course, DraftKings and FanDuel, they said, well, we want to get in on that too. So now you can do all the sports betting on FanDuel and DraftKings as well as 
play your fantasy sports. And the floodgates, as of 2018, have absolutely gone wide open. Let me give you three words, okay? Because I'm going to explain to you how these floodgates have opened and, and the impacts on our culture. First of which is advertising. All right, so in 2021, the, the, the online sports betting and fantasy enterprises spent $1 billion on advertisements for their products. In 2022, they spent $1.8 billion on advertising. And check this out. At last year's Super Bowl, the online gambling, gaming, fantasy sports concerns, they spent so much money on advertising that for the three weeks leading up to the Super Bowl last year, there was an ad for their company every 90 seconds on television. Three weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. The point behind all of that advertising is this. They want to make betting on sports just as normal and common as putting your team's jersey on and eating nachos and cheese. That's exactly why they're going all in on the advertising because they, think about it, if you watch a football game, you don't even have to watch like a, a, a sports show that deals with gambling because they, they certainly are out there. You could be watching any given, you could watch Colin Coward, uh, you know, Jim Rome, uh, Dan Patrick, any of these, and they're using this language. Hey, what's the over and under? Hey, what's, what's the money line? What's this? What, what's this, right? It, it's, it's pervasive. So advertising. Second of all, revenue. Second of all, revenue. Now, in 2018, when the floodgates opened, the online gaming concerns made $500 million in revenue. Okay, $500 million. In 2019, they made a billion dollars. Now, fast forward to 2021, they made $4.3 billion in revenue, and 2022, $8 billion. That's even more than the beer industry. Did you know that? The gambling industry now even outpaces the beer industry in the amount of revenue they're making. And the Super Bowl last year, get this, last year's Super Bowl, $16 billion bet on that one game. It's pervasive. And it's just growing and growing and growing. That's why we're talking about it. Now let's talk about addiction. In 2018, when the floodgates opened on legalized sports betting, and of course then you also had your fantasy sports, um, the, the number and the percent of, of problem gamblers, now that's kind of the euphemism that they've come up with now for, for a gambling addict, a, a problem gambler, it went up 30%, just overnight, 30% and it continues to go up. Here's one of the reasons why, and I, and I share the words of Dr. Timothy Fong from UCLA. He's a professor of psychiatry. He says this, like addictive drugs such as cocaine, heroin, nicotine, and alcohol, gambling activates the brain's reward system, which is powered by dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter inside the brain that reinforces sensations of pleasure and connects those sensations to certain behaviors or actions. However, there's a significant contrast between gambling and addictive substances. He says, gambling is unique, and here's why. Gambling, unlike any other addiction, is associated with cognitive distortions. People say, if I keep gambling, then eventually I'll win. You don't say that about alcohol, tobacco, and cocaine. Now, that's a psychiatrist, Ph.D., from UCLA. But, you know, even though people long ago didn't understand the, the science behind it all, they understood the power and the danger involved. None other than the father of our country, George Washington, 
wrote a letter to his nephew in January of 1783, 240 years ago, and said this, avoid gambling. It is a vice which produces every possible evil, equally injurious to the morals and health of its participants. It is the child of greed, the brother of iniquity, and the father of mischief. It has been the ruin of many worthy families, the loss of many a man's honor, and the cause of suicide. That's 1783. That's a long time ago, y'all. I mean, they didn't even hardly know what electricity was back in those days, let alone betting apps. But they understood the challenge way back then. By the way, perhaps the most mind-blowing statistic that I, that I saw and read as I was researching for this message was this. Among problem gamblers and gambling addicts, the suicide attempt rate is 20%. That means one out of every five gambling addicts, problem gamblers, is going to attempt to kill themselves. Say, why? Think about it. I mean, if money is your chief idol, and you're so addicted to gambling and money that you've got to get into this and go further and further and further, deeper in the hole, what happens when all that comes crumbling down? What do you have to live for? I mean, if that's your, if that's your worldview, if, if that's your perspective. By the way, here's the thing about that. 20% suicide attempt rate, that outpaces alcoholics, drug addicts, sex addicts, and every other addiction. In other words, gambling addicts try to kill themselves more frequently than anybody else. That ought to get your attention. Why are we talking about it? It's so pervasive in our culture today, and the danger is real. By the way, hey, check this out. Notice that I have really, I'm not even giving you any Bible verses up to this point. I haven't even really said anything about God up to this point. See, because I could take what I've shared with you in the last 10 to 12 minutes, and I could go out to San Francisco and give a TED Talk to a room full of atheists, and guess what? Even a lot of those atheists would walk away saying, this is probably something I need to avoid. But we are a Bible-teaching church. And at Crossgate, we ask repeatedly, what does the Bible say? And so we're going to ask that. What, what are some biblical principles? Here's our second question. What are some biblical principles that, that applied related to gambling? All right, I'll give you a couple. First of which is the most important, and that's love. God has called us to be people of love. Jesus certainly said this, Matthew 22, beginning in verse 36. A lawyer asked Jesus a question to test him, saying, Teacher, which is the great, great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now understand this, friends, because a lot of times when people talk about gambling, they'll say, well, I'm, I'm actually betting with house money. I'm, I'm, I'm using house money here. It's not, I'm not really, it's not an issue for me. And it's, not an, it's just house money. Hey, I got news for you, friend. As we said a moment ago, there's no such thing as house money. Gambling is a win-lose proposition. In order for you to win anything, somebody else and many people, in most cases, have to lose in order for you to win. Gambling doesn't produce any money. All it does is transfer wealth from one person to another. That's a challenge if you're a person who truly feels committed to loving your I mean, how, how can you say you love a person if you're trying to, to, to get what belongs to them? Right? Even if it's funneled through some DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever. Right? Where, where's, where's the love in that? Quite honestly, I mean, if, if someone is so committed to getting what belongs to someone else, 
I'd say they probably love money more than they love people. And you know what the Bible says about the love of money? 1 Timothy chapter 6, look at this. By the way, this is probably one of the most misquoted verses in the entire Bible. It does not say money is a root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Think about the definition we had a few moments ago. Gambling is pleasure and profit at the expense of someone else's pain and loss. I will tell you this. If someone is willing to experience profit and pleasure at the expense of someone else's pain and loss, I would not want that person's heart beating in my chest. We've been called to love, not greed. And where's the love for our neighbor in that? Here's the second principle, and that is providence. That's kind of a fancy theological word. Uh, Providence simply refers to the, the, the oversight and purview of a sovereign, almighty God. Listen to what was written in a statement of faith way back in the 1600s. Listen to this. The Almighty everywhere, this is a definition of providence. The Almighty everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth with all creatures and so governs them that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruit and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, richness and poverty. Indeed, all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. That's providence. Now, consider what the Bible says in in Isaiah chapter 65, uh, beginning in verse 1. Listen to this. God is speaking to an obstinate people, a rebellious people. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I, to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. But you forsake the Lord, this is verse 11 now, and forget my holy mountain, you set a table for fortune and fill cups of mixed wine for destiny. Underline those two words, fortune and destiny. Uh, In in the Bible days, those referred to pagan gods, Uh, certainly not the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, the, The words were translated in terms of luck and chance. As a matter of fact, the word destiny in the Greek translation of the Old Testament and the word is oftentimes used in the New Testament is oftentimes translated demon. Fortune and destiny. Here's the challenge with gambling. Man, I hope Lady Luck smiles on me tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. Who who said that? Frank Sinatra? Luck, come on, luck, Lady Luck. Take a chance. I mean, those are common themes in the world of gambling, chance, luck, and all of these things. But providence rules everything, ultimately. As I understand the Bible, there's no such thing as just some random haphazard luck. There's no such thing as some random haphazard chance, and there's not anything about fate either. Well, fate, maybe fate will allow me to get triple sevens or whatever, right? I mean... Those concepts are not biblical. There's a a providential God that we love and we serve, and we we don't just throw ourselves out there for chance and luck and all these other things, just like it says in Isaiah 65. So that's the second thing, providence. Here's the third principle, the biblical principle of honesty. The biblical principle of honesty. Now look, there's only three ways to get money in this world. There's only three. 
working honestly for money. You get a paycheck, you work honestly for that. Two is someone gives you a gift, just a free gift, no strings attached. They give it to you because, because they love you, right? There's, there's a gift freely given. And then the third way you make money is by stealing it. There's only three ways that you can make money in this world. You work for it, you receive it as a gift, or you steal it. Now, we know stealing is wrong because the Bible says in Exodus 20, verse 15, which is in the Ten Commandments, you shall not steal. It isn't more plain than that. Someone has rightly said that anybody who gambles and loses is a fool, and anyone who gambles and wins is a thief. You say, why do you say someone who gambles and wins is a thief? Because they're taking something that belonged to someone else. Here's an example. Just here's an example. Two men walk into a dark alley. One of them has a gun, and the man with the gun walks out of the alley with the stuff that belonged to the other man. Now, what do we call that man? Call him a thief, right? We call him a thief, robber. Now, two men walk into a dark alley. One of them has a pair of dice. And he walks out of the dark alley with all the money that belonged to the other guy. What do we call that man? Call him a gambler, right? We call him a gambler. But I would argue that in both cases, you have an episode of thievery. In the first case, one man was a thief. In the second case, both men were thieves. Why do you say that? Well, because both of the men walked into the dark alley with every intent on taking what belonged to the other man. It doesn't matter if it's by mutual consent. It's the intent in the heart to take what belongs to this man so that I can have it. I'll tell you, that, that is not an honest way to come about the acquisition of wealth, not as I understand the Scripture. There's a principle of honesty there. But here's something else, another dimension of honesty. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1, listen to this. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. God delights in honesty, not in manipulation, not in fraud, not in trying to somehow squeeze things out of people's hands through anything other than absolute integrity and honesty. You talk about fantasy, online fantasy sports and online sports betting. Let me tell you something. You do a little research into that and you realize just how manipulative the entire proposition is. There are algorithms out there where if someone's betting and they're betting on this, and, and they lose, and then they lose again, and then they lose again, guess what? There's algorithms that will know when the, when the average person is going to finally cut their losses and just walk away. And you know what the algorithm does right before that moment happens? Boom, a pop-up with free promotional betting money. It's like, oh, hey, man, boom. Oh, I can get 200 free betting bucks, so I can bet $200. Even if I lose them, I, I technically don't lose anything. Count me in, man. I thought I was going to walk away from the table, but man, I'm back in. I'm get back in the game. There's there, there's manipulative algorithm. There, there are manipulative inducements and promotions. Again, shoot. Just just the other day, my son Lightsey wanted to buy a new uh, Buccaneer jersey, right? So we wear the jerseys of the games and watch the game. So we got on Fanatics and we ordered him a jersey. I used my account. And so not only did I receive an email confirmation that, that we had indeed purchased the jersey, but I got another email saying, congratulations, you have received $300 in Fanatics betting insurance. First of all, I was like, dang, even Fanatics is in the ballgame now, right? I mean, even Fanatics is into this online gambling. 
And so they gave me this $300 and said, oh, yeah, man, you can, you can bet on our little device here, and, and, uh, and, and the first $300 is on us. Well, I hit delete on that email, but all that to say, I mean, it's, it's out there everywhere. It's out there everywhere. There is, a, there is a desire for honesty and integrity from God's people, as I see it in the Bible, and I just do not see that level of honesty and integrity in the gambling enterprise. As a matter of fact, as some of you know, we have a, we have a man in our church who is an NCAA football official. I mean, he has gone through all the vetting. He calls college games uh, up and down in Arkansas and other places. And when they trained him for that, and the training was significant, they said, look, the gambling world is such now that people will even place bets on which team is going to get the first penalty in a game. Right? I mean, it has come to that, y'all. Or is the first penalty going to be offsides or holding or defensive pass interference? People bet on that kind of stuff. And so they told this man, they said, now look, you are now an NCAA official. You don't need to spend any time whatsoever in a casino or even be connected with gambling because you need to be above reproach as an NCAA official. Well, shoot, if, if you're wearing a striped shirt on the football team, I hope God's people would be even above that. So God calls for love. He points out the principle of providence. And he calls for honesty when it comes to wealth and living, and, and integrity. Those are the principles. And I will tell you, those principles tell me that as a man of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I need to distance myself from what we're talking about today. That's what I see the Bible saying as, as I see these principles unfold. Now, here's what we're going to do for the rest of our message. We're going to answer the third question that probably is on everybody's mind. What about Oaklawn? Right? What about Oakland? You know, and, and I, I know most of y'all are thinking, well, I guess Pastor Phil chose to talk about gambling because uh, we got this big casino in town. Act, actually, I, that's not the reason we're having this sermon today. If that was the case, I would have preached a message on gambling a long time ago. By the way, some of you old-timers that have been around Crossgate and Second Baptist for a long time, you will remember the days when the pastor of Second Baptist, almost on a weekly basis, would get up and just throw bombs at the casino. I mean, fiery preaching. Shut down the casino! You could have heard sermons like that on a regular basis. So no, my, my point today is, listen, Oakland has such a small slice of the overall gambling pie, that's not my biggest concern. You're probably in more danger of getting in trouble through the online fantasy betting and the sports betting than you are through Oakland. But because we do have this big casino right in our backyard, let's talk about it, okay? I want you to understand the context of Oakland, or really any casino for that matter. You have a context where the vast majority of patrons are coming from out of town. So automatically, you place yourself in a setting where nobody knows you, right? All your people, all your homies back in your hometown, they don't even know you're there, okay? Then you add gambling, and then in many cases, you add an excessive consumption of alcohol, and in many cases, drugs, and you start to, the, the inhibitions start to lower, right, in, in that setting. On top of that, I will tell you that Oaklawn also is a place where you see trafficking. Say, is there trafficking at Oaklawn? I believe there is. I don't believe that the proprietors of Oaklawn are, are condoning it or facilitating it in any way, but I will tell you this. You can talk to any of the women's ministries. Listen now, this is real stuff. You could talk to any of the women's ministries in Garland County and Hot Springs, and you will hear stories of young ladies who have been trafficked on the, on the campus of the casino. That's the kind of context that we're talking about, 
okay? Now, three questions regarding what about Oaklawn. The first of which is this. It's right on your handout. Should a Christian gamble at Oaklawn? Well, my answer to that is simply no. Of course, you shouldn't gamble. You shouldn't gamble anywhere. Doesn't matter the frequency of betting, the amount of betting. You are, you are actively contributing and participating in something that is defrauding millions of people, certainly not in keeping with the, with the commandment of love that we've received from Jesus. So I would say in terms of active gambling, absolutely not. I don't see how, you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and, and you can actively participate in gambling, you, you have somehow got to have suppressed the Holy Spirit in you so much to the point that you can't even hear, hear his voice. That's the first question. Second question is this. Should a Christian patronize Oaklawn without gambling? Now, I understand. You know, it's not like Oaklawn just does gambling. They've got concerts. They've got dining. Some people say, man, I'll tell you what, that pancake at the track kitchen is like the, 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 big, the size of a, a wagon wheel. It's so big. Um, you've got a, a place to watch football. You've got horses running in a circle, and people like to go watch the horses. So you've got a lot of things that don't necessarily require someone to gamble. Pastor, what, what do you think about people patronizing those things at Oakland? So this is one of those areas, and I'll be honest with you, this is one of those areas where it really is a matter of conviction. Uh, it really is a matter of conviction. Uh, some people would have a problem with, with going to Oakland in any way whatsoever, because after all, when you step out of Oakland and people see you crossing the street, they don't know if you've been in there getting drunk, doing drugs, gambling all day and all night, or if you've just gone in there to uh, get a steak at the restaurant. Right? People don't know that. So th there's a conviction on that side. There there's another conviction that says, well, I'm not, I'm not actively gambling, so I don't really see the, the issue. Again, remember, when we ask the question, what does the Bible say, there's going to be times when it's simply up to the conviction of the individual as they feel the Holy Spirit speaking to them. Now, I, I've got my convictions about it. Uh, and, and other people have theirs. And if we, if we don't agree on every little thing, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, case in point. Again, my son Lightsey and I, we love to watch uh, Tampa Bay football. And, of course, there's very few Tampa games that get broadcast locally here that we can watch in our own home. Uh, and so for a while, we were going down to Wild Wings here in Hot Springs. You know, great place to watch a football game. We put our jerseys on, man. We're having a great time. Go Bucks, Go Bucks, right? Well, then, then that place shut down. So Lightsey and I were kind of faced with a dilemma because I said, you know, son, I've heard probably the best sports bar in the entire state of Arkansas is at the casino. Man, we could just slip on in there, watch the Bucks play, man, have a great time. We're not going to be gambling. We're not even going to be drinking. We're just going to have a good time, and then we'll just go on home. But I said, you know, son, I, um, there's just something inside of me that says that I just don't want to do that, right? I just... It's kind of got a check in my spirit about that. So we're going to drive to Benton and go to the Wild Wings there. Now, that's what we did. Okay, again, am I, am I going to throw bombs at people who want to go watch a football game at Oakland? No. Right. But that's just that's a conviction that, that, that we had, okay? Uh, I, I, my conviction generally is that I really don't want to patronize the casino, all right? But the fact is, I mean, that, that's a conviction, okay? Now, here, here's the third question, and this is very relevant because it applies to a lot of people in our church. Uh, should a Christian work? at Oakland. We've got a number of people in our, in our church who, who are employed at the casino. What, what do you think about that, Pastor Phil? Again, a, a, can, a matter of conviction, okay? I, I could see it going both ways in, in the heart of a, of a person. Well, I just talked to a young man this morning who, who recently got a job there that's in alignment with, with his skills and, and just really uh, just, just an opportunity to 
uh, to use a lot of the skills that he has. But he also sees it not just as a source of income, but a place of witness, a place of ministry. And I'll tell you, God has people everywhere, doesn't he? God has people everywhere. And I just simply challenge this brother, as, as I challenge anybody who works at Oaklawn or anyone else for that, anywhere else for that matter, God has you there not just so you can get a paycheck, but so that he can set you up as a shining city on a hill. And if we have some of God's people working at Oaklawn with, with a particular witness in, in a way that I, I couldn't have that proximity there, all right, go get them for Jesus. Go get them for Jesus Christ. Be a witness. Be a light. Be salt. But again, it's a matter of conviction. Some people would say, I, I wouldn't work there in a million years. Okay, great. That, that's your conviction. But God has placed some of, his, some of his people there to have a ministry in ways that most of us could never have in that context. But friends, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is this, and this is true again for every message in our series. We are asking God to, to equip in us and to develop rhythms in our lives where we're asking this question about everything we deal with, what does the Bible say? We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.